0: Welcome, my friends, to Scry Me A River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Dennis, my friend, it's the first episode.
1: It is. I'm excited. Are you as excited as I am?
0: I am I how we measure I don't know actually how excited are you?
1: I don't know. I heard a lot of apprehension in your voice, even in just replying to that simple question. Well, I don't know how you. I don't
0: know how you quantify excitement. <laughs> right.
1: i from a one to ten. I'm like an eight and a half. Eight
0: and a half. That is that is very excited.
1: Yeah, I'm an I'm an excitable guy. That's not like that the might th- not th- be the only the right thing problem. I will
0: say, Dennis. The only thing I will say here is that, as usual, again with this podcast, I'm the one doing all the real work.
1: I, excuse me. You don't think offering my sage advice counts as real work?
0: Does that actually does that cost you fatigue points?
1: I mean I suppose it doesn't. Yeah, okay. Cos you wisdom points maybe. Cos
0: you wisdom points, but you're not having to invest heavily in, in the um audio editing uh career round what is it called? Uh, profession.
1: That's true. I haven't had to d- double down on that. All right. Do you
0: know how many skill points I've spent in audio editing, Dennis? How many? Many. <laughs> many
1: so <laughs> why would you set yourself up for that? <laughs> it's very <How> hard <laughs> to track
0: in real life. It's not like, you know you don't you don't have a progress That's the real that's the really annoying you know the really annoying thing about real life, Dennis? Is there's What's no that? X- XP bars. There's no progression, yeah, there's no
1: progression bars. tree.
0: Yeah, like I've just started trying to draw, right? And if I uh-huh. could see myself getting drawing XP, I'd be so much more willing to keep going. It's Like, oh, I only need to draw two more flowers. You want it like I in the to- Sims
1: where the little cylinder appears above your head and slowly fills?
0: Exactly. I want that in real life. Why can't we patch that in? I'd like that in the next episode of in it the wo- next in the next build of real life.
1: Yeah,
0: the 1.2. Yeah, 1. What point- was <laughs> this? 1.1? I was going to say. I thought it was an early alpha. The state of things are.
1: I mean, it's been around for billions of years. This can't possibly be an early alpha.
0: Well, uh, have you played Magic cards I mean,
1: nowadays, that's true. Woof! Woof!
0: Oh, <laughs> firing,
1: firing on all cylinders early getting, on. Getting all right, Riley, before we introduce the people to the format of the show, yeah. we should thank our benevolent sponsor, ChannelFireball.com.
0: ChannelFireball.com, Dennis. As everyone should know by now, it is the number one place to go for Magic cards and Magic card-related accessories.
1: And as of recently,
0: Magic the Gathering Advice. A magic card is another one place for pretty much everything to do with magic. No, do you know what it's not very good at when it comes to magic MTG? What's that? Bad deals. Ooh, that's true. To go not a good else. place for bad deals. If you want a bad deal on buying and selling magic cards, don't go to ChannelFiber.com because you yeah, won't find it Yeah, they, they cannot, can help you. They cannot Dennis, they cannot help you if you call and up be, John look, 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 Sasso and proof. you say to him <laughs> I've got all these cards and I just want to be ripped off I want to sell yeah. them and I want to, I want to sell them for pennies on the dollar John's going to go first of all how did you get this number uh-huh second of all this uh, this is very this very much sounds like a customer support issue not a CEO issue third uh-huh. of all how do I even have uh uh coverage on my luxury yacht in the middle of the Caribbean <laughs> And and then after all that he'll still give you a good deal.
1: That's what. And I, after that he'll still give you a good deal. That's the moral of the story.
0: Because that's 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 the kind of guy that he is. He he didn't get that luxury yacht from giving people bad deals on magic cards, Dennis. <laughs> He'd have okay. three luxury yachts by now. Otherwise, that's
1: true. Uh, all right, Riley. How does the show work?
0: So the show works, Dennis. We get uh, we get people sending in questions, queries, quandaries. Uh, Quizzes, uh, we'll other, do a quiz. Other,
1: other Q words.
0: We'll do a quiz. Cues. nah, not going to stand the a Q for you. But anything else um people and you know mtg related helps otherwise we're just kind of stepping on the toes of the mackerel, we're brothers here to be honest mm-hmm. um but if you've got a question about etiquette about a social situation that's a bit difficult with uh, magic nerds if you're wanting to i don't know level up a deck in a way that you think that two idiots who have never who have like one pro point between them can help you with anything magic related you want want some advice or some some perspective on we are here to help people have actually been generous enough to already get stuck in and send us some questions dennis and we're going to get across some uh, more or less straight away here.
1: Yeah, I think so. If you if you're interested in submitting a question, uh, we had to talk about this for a little bit actually because we had to figure out the best way to accept questions. And we're like, oh, yeah. well, it's easy. We'll use we'll make a hashtag and the show we we've called the show "It's Your River" after the yep. famous Justin Timberlake song, of course. Uh, we're like, okay, we'll just use hashtag. Go go on. I was just
0: I just wanted to give you full credit for thinking of that, and also that was one from one when I was like, what are we going to call it? Dennis was like. uh... Worldly Council, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." It's like, "Uh, okay, if it's got to be magical. later, how about Scry Me a River?" I was like, "Wow, done, easy, <laughs>
1: right at the gates." Exactly. Uh, so we talk about having it. Uh, people submit questions on Twitter or whatever with hashtag SMAR. Mm-hmm. We we're like, that doesn't really mean anything. It's a nonsense word. It's not a word. It's a nonsense acronym. The can't possibly be a particularly popular hashtag. Boy, were we wrong?
0: Oh, we were so wrong, Dennis. There are so many. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty wild ride as well if you go along and have a look at the smart hashtag, uh, because it's a bunch of people who have misspelled the word smart. It's not even misspelled. It's neglected to finish writing the word smart. Yeah, they got bored halfway through. They got bored four-fifths of the way through, like, ah, that'll do. People will get it.
1: Well, we uh, I mean, they didn't. It took us three or four minutes to figure out what the hell they were talking about. So instead, we've um, we've opted to go for hashtag scrimy in a sort of blondie, sort of call-me way.
0: Yes, scrimy or scrim. It looks like a word from, like, a 17th century alchemy book. scrym Addeth addeth ye four quarts of scrime to oh, the concoction. Gross. Yeah.
1: gross. Yeah. <laughs> All right, will we, get, will we get into our first scrime of the episode then?
0: Exactly. Let's uh, let, let's uh, let's get stuck in. Our first question, Dennis, comes mm-hmm. from your friend and mine, Brian Whelan. And uh, it's a controversial one. It's one that has uh, garnered a lot of discussion. So I'm looking forward to uh, putting this one to bed once and for all here, Dennis. Yeah, all of our answers
1: answers here are definitive and final.
0: And final, authoritative. That's exactly Uh right. Uh, Brian Whelan asks, what rule would you introduce to deal with slow play at REL events?
1: I assume Brian means like comp or professional REL
0: presumably yeah. <laughs> at FNM <clears throat> events you can get a stick and just poke someone until well, they <clears throat> Here's the make a, d- a decision
1: I have had and I'm going to start this question answer with an anecdote because you mentioned FNM there was a player who used to come to an FNM I went to who and huh. I won't name names um, who would play so slowly that it would grind literally every like I don't think he ever played a game three like every game would end go to time in game two Ugh, yeah, And I, and, I, and it wasn't that this particular player was particularly new, or this player was particularly like having trouble parsing the boards or whatever. They would be on their phone, they'd be negotiating trade deals with the players in the store and stuff.
0: Yeah, while playing, And, just,
1: and on, on top of that, they would be playing glacially slowly. Like, you know that people make fun of uh, Gabriel and the
0: for playing slowly? Dennis, you ruined the great joke I was going to make because at the end of this anecdote I was going to be... So what did you do about having Gabe Nassif as a regular... Oh,
1: idea? no, I didn't mean to say what you did. No,
0: you chomped my flavour, Dennis. You cut my lunch. No,
1: so this person... and like Gabe, like Gabe Nassif does, is one of the best matchup players of all time and I think mm. he's kind of earned the right to to play a little deliberately, shall we say. Uh, this guy would play at the pace Nassif plays when he was actually playing but would spend, I would estimate, 35 to 40% of his time doing other ancillary stuff and not playing the game, which yes, I think yeah. is pretty clearly... Over the line in terms of
0: etiquette. 100% not on. 100% Even not effing. on. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to comp REL and professional REL, so I've stood behind a fair few uh, players playing in the feature match area, oh, right? As, of course. Uh, yeah. at, at the Pro Tour of the Mythic Championships, as the, as the kids call them these days. Um, and Not for much seeing, longer. <laughs> not for much longer. It's back to the PT, which I which I appreciate. It, it It helps me look a little less outdated when I can just say PT again. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that really that, that really rustles my jimmies about it, Dennis, is just the inconsistency. Right, judging is right. very hard. Like, let's let's preface all the stuff we're going to say about this by saying judging is very hard. But the inconsistency between even different judges as to what their perception of slow plays is, is ridiculous. Like, I've seen some overzealous judges jump down a player's throat because they're spending, you know, a, a couple of minutes parsing a twelve creature attack right mm-hmm. against their. Thirteen blockers, and they need to figure out exactly how they're going to do it. Yeah, you, then, like
1: there, like, there are board sets like you say where, like, sometimes it looks like somebody dropped their collection in a car park, and that's the game of magic you're playing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 just the worst ever. It's the it's the hardest ever possibility put storm puzzle you're, you you'll ever see. Exactly. But then there are also judges who will sit there and you know watch like it's an episode of uh, of, of Game of Thrones, e- enjoying every bleak, boring <laughs> minute of, of of nothing happening. For, you know, for minutes on end. So I think the thing that really irritates people, I think the crux of what Brian's asking here is, you know, how do we fix the the feel-bad inconsistency of, uh, of slow play? Because there's penalties. Like, we have rules for slow play. It's just that they're not consistently well, there's two, objectively there, enforced.
1: There's two, um, There's two. like, I was going to say two sides. That's not what I mean. There's mm. two facets to this argument. There's two ends, this, ends of this. So first of all is... How consistently, like you said, are these slow play warnings doled out? And secondly is what do they actually do? Because slow play warnings, even when they accumulate, don't tend to do very much at all. No. So uh, let's take the first step, first of all. Um, In a sort of, if you imagine Magic Online or Magic Arena. Magic Online has a chess clock and Magic Arena, just like Hearthstone, has the rope. So they have like purely objective, computerized methods of keeping time. Is that the kind of thing you would want to strive towards? Is that the kind of like feeling or level of fairness you'd want to try and replicate? Or what do you think?
0: It's really tough because when you don't have a computer making the rules for you, this is why we need the the singularity to happen sooner rather than later, Dennis. This is why we need our (laughs) robot overlords to come in and enforce a level of fairness because the judges can't do that. And they're not watching every single table either. So if you Right, get a this blo- is a
1: problem in the feature match, and every feature match has a dedicated judge. There's thousands of players in the room.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they call over a judge like, oh, it's taken five minutes to to, to think about this thing. It's like, well, no, I haven't. I've been sitting here for if you want to put a number on it, maybe closer to two and a half minutes. So it's very difficult. Um a potential solution would be cybernetic implants for judges. Uh, <laughs> that deal with So they with- can
1: scan yeah.
0: Uh, so they can scan like heat signatures of cards to see when they were last touched. So they wow. can figure out like, um, uh, like I, I guess like a light kind of MRI scan to figure out sure, brain sure. pattern activity to make sure that people are thinking about the game and not about their dinner.
1: We actually that- tested something like this, not the cyber- actually, clarify, whoa, not the whoa, 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 implants. whoa, whoa.
0: <laughs> Okay, we're getting um, into the we're getting into the deep we're getting into deep MTG here. This is this is what they don't want you to know. You tested yeah, yeah. tested cybernetic implants on judges.
1: So before I worked at Channel Fireball, okay. Um, we had a YouTube channel called Windmill Slam, and on that we tried playing Magic with chess clocks.
0: Oh, right! Genuinely,
1: okay. like, and but then you run into two things. One is should the chess clock only be active on your turn? Yes. Or no, B, should the chess clock only be, be active every time you pass priority?
0: Yeah, which is so hard because then you just, you're just that's like 14 it like a, times a turn. Then you're playing two games. You're playing Magic: The Gathering, and you're also playing Whack a Mole.
1: Yeah, you're 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 beating that chess dog like it owes you money. Like it's not <laughs> it's not a sustainable system. So if that's the and like that's what chess does. Like that and that and that works for them because you your opponent there's no instant speed, there's no instant speed effects. Yeah. You know, time spent on your turn is indeed your time and all that. So you can't you can't implement something like that in magic. I say tested, it was sort of like a goofy little sciencey show we did. Yeah. But um so that doesn't work, I don't think. I don't know what you can give Judges like even if we like dial down and say what could you give what tools could you give a judge in who is watching one match in the feature match area, even if we were to solve that problem, which is difficult in enough of itself, I don't think you could scale it to a room of two thousand magic players.
0: uh, Yeah, I mean there's there's no way that you can have a an an objective simple solution that's again I I come back to the cybernetic implants that seems like the only way forward. But
1: um the other end of the thing is if you were to just take the current rules that exist where a judge has to make a a, you know pardon the pun a judgment call on the player and then the punishments are, fairly, are are lenient skewed. If we were to skew those punishments more harshly, do you think that would cause more harm or more good? Like if you get two game play, two slow play warnings in the same tournament, you get a game
0: loss, no questions asked? I would say that it might incentivize players who play slowly to speed up because there's definitely there's definitely an ilk of play. Like there, there are players that you know play slowly. Seth Manfield, Gabe Nassif, there are players who... You you, we we all understand to be on the slower side of things, whereas like there's you know Yasuoka or something who who moves his hands at an appreciable fraction of the speed of light while playing any deck ever. Right. So I think giving those players an incentive to speed up, and and this is at all levels. You know, this is at the the PTQ grinder level. This is at the the GP hero level. This is even at the FNM level. I don't know. Remember how we kind of just got rid of drink driving as a thing in the '90s? I mean, in Australia at least, like there were all these. There was a, a, a concerted campaign throughout the '90s. I remember as a kid to to really stigmatize drunk driving, and now it's just it's not a thing. Like you'll you'll nick your mate's car keys off him if he's if he's had a few too many, too many beers.
1: So you you want you wanted to you want a campaign that would um, sort of prophesize to the people to make their friends. Tighter, faster, magic players.
0: I think that's. I think that's the way we. You know, we could take the slow play, not even once. Right. Uh, I like that angle approach. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, th- this is your brain on slow play.
1: Yep, yep, yep. You're just thinking about where you're going to go for dinner. Yeah, yeah, Ex- yeah like exactly.
0: That. That's no good. You know, that's, 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 that's. Here's
1: the thing, though. I want to, I want to pin you down on this. What would, what do you, how do you feel about just introducing in the tournament rules stricter punishments for slow play? If you get, maybe let's say three slow play warnings in a tournament, you get a game loss.
0: I don't, I, I'm 100% on, on board with that. I 100
1: I, That's a terrible idea, I think. I, I know I just proposed it and I feel like I, I hooked you, I hooked line and sink no, you. No, I think it's
0: fine. Because it's... It incent- just, it- go ahead. It's it's about enforcement at that level, isn't it? It's about enforcement. Here's the thing. You said it incentivizes
1: players who are on the line or on the slower side to, to catch up and speed up. Yeah. But it also massively incentivizes you to call your opponent on slow play all the time.
0: Uh, because you know that they, this might be the one where they get a game loss.
1: Yeah, and it's a relatively no, a subjective
0: point. thing. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to call them on a judge call. Like, there's no everything else is pretty black and white. It's like, oh, they didn't pay double blue for their Sinks's revelation. I'll call the judge on this only because it might get them a game loss. You call a judge on that because they're just stuffed up, and you know, yeah, that's what. And you there do are people. Then, yeah.
1: There are people who angle shoot, and people. There's people who think that that's a defense. Like, like Mar- Marshall and Louise talked about this on the Minute Resources last week. They had a whole podcast episode about Genius or Grifter where they talked about um, what tactics are genius and what tactics are sort of over the line, ethically speaking. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who would defend something like calling your opponent on every mistake they make because, hey, we're playing the game, especially at a competitive level or even a professional level, yeah. that that's that's what you sign up for. And if people who think that it's okay, and I'm not saying they're incorrect in thinking this, I, I personally think they are, but they think it's okay to take every edge they can possibly get. And if you give them that edge of, hey, if I call slow play my opponent, I got a one in three shot of them just of getting a free win, they're going to do it every damn game.
0: I've got a question for you, Dennis. Uh, mm-hmm. I've googled slow play, MTG slow play, mm-hmm. on a on a website on the on the I'm on, a, I'm on the Wizards website, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's an article that's posted. It's uh, titled "Practical Approach to Slow Play." Right. It says identifying slow play. How long is too long? Practically, what does that mean? And then it says, as soon as a player takes a blank reflection without any action, this is worth issuing a caution. How long do you think on the Wizards website? how long do you think that period of time is before a judge is advised to to issue a caution? As soon as a player takes a blank reflection time without any action, this is worth issuing a caution. How long is that time?
1: Bear in mind that a caution doesn't actually mean very much, right?
0: No, a a caution is basically a judge stepping in and saying, you need to do something. I'm watching you. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm watching you.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. In a, a, uh, you know, all seeing eye of Sauron kind of way. Uh,
0: 30 seconds. You're absolutely right. 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah, that's my gut. That's so low. Compa- That's so high. No, 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 no. Let me finish. That's so low, Dennis, compared mm. to how it is actually enforced.
1: Oh, is that true?
0: That is true, man. Like, I'll sit there and watch someone taking over a decision for like a minute, a minute and a half.
1: Double or triple and- the time, yeah.
0: Exactly. I don't think it's unreasonable. I'm just saying it's not enforced at that level. I think w- what we need to do before anything, before the cybernetic implants, before the, the higher penalties, anything else like that, is we need to have a really clear understanding of of what slow play is, what it looks like, how it should be enforced. We need to actually get all of our ducks in a row, and everyone be be aligned as to what is and is not acceptable. Because the the subjectivity of it is what is really causing the issues, and in, in my view.
1: So this does sound like it's something that's achievable with a PSA. Yeah, that's we'll what fi- we need. We'll put we'll put we'll film you sitting in silence for twenty to thirty seconds. Be like twenty to thirty seconds is a long time, longer than you might think. <laughs>
0: Don't friends don't let I, friends I like play slowly.
1: Friends, yeah, friends don't let friends slow play. Slow play That's, not even once. I'm all for it.
0: I think it, I think this is how we do it. I think it's a grassroots political campaign action. Let's let's end slow play together, Dennis.
1: Make magic fast again. Our
0: next question, Dennis, comes from Kimmy Lim. Kimmy asks, "What do you do when someone doesn't want to agree on the power level of a group, i.e.?" Everyone has somewhat modified pre-cons and that one person shows up with dual lands and fast mana. So Kimmy's talking about Commander here, talking about coming up with an EDH pre-con and then, you know, everyone else or someone else having a deck that, you know, costs half a billion dollars and uh, and he's just on another completely different power level. Uh, I'm sure every Commander player listening to this podcast can uh, can relate to this, this problem, Dennis.
1: This is very tricky. So... This is very tricky depending on a lot of things. And I think the easiest way to solve this is let's imagine, Riley, me and you and right. Steve and Dan, who are people I've invented. Okay, Actually, I know a guy
0: named Steve. I know a guy yeah, named Dan I, too. But I know a, not guy, a guy named Dan as well. So I, I, I've already got a clear <laughs> oh, no. picture here. All right. All right.
1: Um, our, our regular commander group. And I'm then, just really
0: impressed you've got Danny to play commander because he hates it. He, he, he just refused to play it.
1: Well, that's, well, look, I'm a very persuasive guy. I'm glad you um, are.
0: Yeah, you are. You really are. Anyway, go on.
1: So we play Commander regularly together. And then suddenly Dan starts showing up with, like, like Kimmy says here, dual lands and mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff. And we're there playing our, you know, cat tribal decks and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Then it's very easy. Well, it's not very easy. It's so difficult, but easy in the in the grand scheme of things. I mean, the three of us would be like, hey, mate, that's not on. We don't want to be jerks with this, but this is not the kind of magic we came here to play. Yeah. However, if you go to M. Or any kind of thing in your local store to play Commander, or if you go to a Magic Fest or a Command Fest, and you're like at Command Fest, for example, and like in the Command Zones at Magic Fest, we have you know casual marked areas and competitive marked areas, but that line is blurry.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's not you don't again. There's no uh, progress bar. You've got oh, you've got a right, hundred oh, casual uh, slash Commander point uh, uh, competitive points in your deck. Now, now you have to sit in this in the in in the in the grown ups area. You know.
1: Right, the upper limit of casual is very close to the lower limit of competitive. Yes, I would well, say they even overlap.
0: It's just a spectrum. That's right. It's just a, it's just one big shades of grey spectrum, and and there's no exact line. Like y- your deck doesn't all of a sudden start glowing blue with power as soon as you you know put a put a soul ring in it, for example.
1: Right. So we, we, can that, and about, we can we talk about soul ring another time. That's a whole other kettle of fish. That's
0: yeah. That is true. Um, so. This problem is, as you say, much more of a problem in areas where you're not playing with people that you're, you know, you're good mates with. Because mm-hmm. you know, in my commander play group, if someone has an egregious deck, Larry, then wow, he'll turn up- big call. Oh, Larry knows exactly what he does. Every week he comes with some. Do you know what Larry does? I'm, I'm convinced of this. Right. So Larry has. Larry's a bit older than the rest of us. He's been playing for just yonks. He's been playing mm-hmm. for so long, and he'll turn up with these old cards. That none of us have ever seen before, and they have the most ridiculous abilities. Like, there's one that says something like, "At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black, add, add a number of black equal to how many creatures have died, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And, he, and he claims that this is a real card that was printed in actual Magic The Gathering boosters. We're all pretty sure he's printed them off at home in a you know in a in a high quality <laughs> on, you know, on, a, on, a, on a high quality Canon laser jet, but he do, he continues to deny it. And the thing is, he does turn up with decks that are often quite powerful and often doing quite obnoxious things. And then it's, it's kind of fun because first of all, it doesn't take it too seriously. So when it's kind of ends up being the ultimate, like it just ultimately becomes a 3v1 against him, which is fine. Yeah,
1: you're playing, you're playing, you're playing involuntary arch enemy at that point.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, and, and it's generally taken with a, with a grain of salt. And then he brings out his Boros deck and we all smash him. And so it, it, it's all fine. Like there's, there's a, a sense of, a sense of balance and justice. Well, there's no justice because Dennis, he always targets me and he always targets me unfairly. You know, on turn one, when it's like, oh, I've got to deal like I've got to attack someone with my one one. Just go after Riley. That's fine. Every Just time, Riley. Every, every time. every single time he goes after me, it's terrible. But you know, I've got a good relationship with Larry outside of the commander table, and being able to tell him, you know, hey, this deck isn't very much fun to play against. You know, it's fine if you bring it out every once in a while, but like, I hope you can recognize that if if this is all you're going to play, like, we're going to have a bad time. That's not what we're here to do. I I really don't well, know how thing. you good. manage it at a at a table of strangers though. That's difficult.
1: Well. So let's, let's try and, like, abstract it a little bit. So I think it's, like you said, there's no... It's not like Canadian Highlander where there's point values to cards or anything like that. Yeah. So there's no objective way to assess when a deck crosses between casual to, you know, not so casual to competitive or whatever. So if you can't objectively measure the deck, I think the thing you have to measure is the person's intent.
0: Great idea. Great, great. Uh, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. What are, what are they trying to do with this deck? What are they trying to do with this deck? And that, that, this is something I run into a little bit as a problem in Commander because...
1: Some commander decks, and look, I'm I'm guilty of this. I used have a Mizzix commander deck that, um, you know, would cast instant sorceries, get experience points, and you know would then reduce the cost of instant Sorceries I was casting, yada yada. Mm. And the goal of the deck, first of all, there's if you cast Firemind's Foresight, there's a very easy infinite combo you can get with like a bolt and a reiterate or whatever, and you can kill everybody. Um, there's just a, a card that fetches you the three pieces of an instant kill combo. Um, yep. But I didn't put that in my deck because that wasn't fun for me. The, like the, that, f- f- you know, playing find my Firemind's Force by three friends wasn't something I was interested in doing. So I tr- I kind of skewed my deck a little bit and I put some powerful cards in my deck. And then the goal of the deck was just to cast Epic Experiment or something for 15. Yes. And, you know, yep. turn, my, turn my library face up. And a decent percentage of the time, I wouldn't win the game doing that. And I was fine with that. But even that, I wasn't really interacting with my opponents. I was basically playing a semi-rigged game of solitaire on my end of the table while everyone else did their own thing. And that's something like so. Even though my deck wasn't overpowered, I'm like, look, if you if you killed my Mizzix more than three times, the deck just couldn't function because I couldn't pay nine for the creature or whatever. Yeah. But um, so it wasn't a powerful deck. But my intent wasn't good. My intent wasn't to have a fun interactive game with my friends. My intent was to show off. Isn't it silly if I do this? So I think you. I think to answer Kimmy's question. Assessing what the intent of the person, what what they're trying to do when they come to the table is actually not only the only thing you can do, but I think in some ways more important than the power level of their deck.
0: If they turn up with a $4,000 deck that is designed to just beat people as mercilessly as possible and play like hardcore very strictly correct magic like i don't put fetch lands or dual lands into any of my commander decks i think i wrote in an article on cfb how i don't really see there's in commander there's not a huge difference between tropical island and woodland stream in most of the games that i right. play with, with or friends, or right?
1: simic guild gate like for the that, them that's,
0: that's what woodland stream is it's just yeah green blue comes into play tapped but there's tons of those that's what i'm saying and yeah. i'm saying that when when you come with this maybe you just want to show off your old cards that's fine but if you're wanting to kill everyone at the table on turn four or turn five with your ridiculous commander deck, like what are you doing? Play commander. Well, no, there are commander groups that like that stuff, man.
1: There, there are people who the the beautiful thing, and this is a double edged sword in this case, about commander is that it's wide open. If you commander is the format with the most, I think probably the most options. If you say, if I sit down today, I'm like, I want to build a commander deck. What I build. First of all, choosing my commander, there's so many options. And even within each commander, even if you go onto a website try figure out what... I, I accept- think the beauty of the format is, is it's wide open, which means that you can people have people at opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: I accept, I accept what you're saying, and I don't think any of that is incorrect, right? Yes, mm-hmm. you can play anything you want in commander. What you are saying, however, this is the equivalent of calling up a bunch of mates, saying, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? And they're like, yep, sounds great. And you're like, all right, meet me at this restaurant at this place. And you've taken them to, like a white glove service right double michelin star restaurant where a main course is $4000 and comes on a plate the size of a wagon wheel that has a tiny bit of food in the middle right and everyone's like mm-hmm. i thought we were going to taco bell like when you eat, it's when a you bad ask, expectations yeah when you ask people out like when you invite people out to dinner right they're expecting to go to you know a burger place or well right, a this is something or, that you and i
1: personally run into
0: but this, because is, this, is, this is exactly what I'm saying. The general expectation yeah. of Commander is you're going to sit there and you're going to do silly stuff with decks that aren't rigorously optimized, and there's a lot of internal variation between that. But how
1: do you cater to the people who want to play rigorously optimized superpower decks then?
0: I think you are in the wrong if you sit down at a at a play at a play group of people, right, that you don't know very well. For example, at a Command Fest, if you're going to sit down. With a bunch of people and just absolutely steamroll them with a deck that they're never going to keep up with. I think that's a faux pas. I don't think you should be doing that. I think you need to find other high rollers and go and eat your lobster thermidor and drink your Dom Perignon, whatever. Right? Mm. With with the other fancy with the, well, the other fancy uh, boys and girls who have their ridiculously overpowered, overpowered decks as well.
1: Here's a follow up question then. So, like I said, at Command Fest they have the casual and competitive divide. Um, a, do you think that divide is sufficient? And B, do you think it's even possible to have a more granular divide than that?
0: I don't think so. And I think if you turn up with the with your like ruthlessly competitive deck and sit in the competitive area, and then roll people who have decided to go into the competitive area, that's fine because they're it, accepting they, that risk. Yeah, they know what they're getting themselves into, right? We, we've got the, the 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 problem is with the bits in the middle, right? If you're well, playing here's, a here's, really here's, really here's casual just... deck, then there's obviously you should be in the the casual area. If you're playing a really competitive deck, you be in the competitive area. It's 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 where it's.
1: Well, here's the thing. I think here's here's where here's where I stand on this. Thing. I think the competitive area should be treated with a little bit more, with a little, maybe I don't know, maybe not more, but at least a little bit of reverence. Because if a casual player who's on the line oversteps into the competitive area and gets rolled, one casual player had a bad time. Yeah. If a competitive yeah. player falls into the casual area and rolls everybody, three casual players yeah, have a bad yeah. time.
0: This is this is the same as you know if you play a game like Apex Legends or you play a game that has a I mean even even just magic even just MTG Arena if you play a ranked there's a ranked version and a casual version and if you start playing ranked and then complain that you're losing a bunch because you know you're you're whatever wolf tribal deck isn't winning games no you chose to play in ranked you're gonna get steamrolled by the tier the tier one right lists, so if right? the
1: progression is only up in that way if the onus is on the up the, the people in the casual area to decide whether or not it's for them they accept the risk i yes. think that's the best system we can that's basically the system we have and yes. that's the best system you can have
0: and i think that it there is but but it, it cuts both ways because if you are a competitive player if you are ruthless and whatever else like that you shouldn't get I mean, you shouldn't get your kicks out of like beating up people who have really rubbish decks that they because they you know either can't or don't want to afford. Yeah, you shouldn't be the, sharking it. Yeah, no, that's it. Maybe you play one against them to to assert your dominance. Nothing wrong with asserting your dominance, Dennis. I'm all for that, of course. But don't sit there and just bully the you know the grade ones who you know can't defend their 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 fruit roll ups and their lunchables from the grade <laughs> six kids who's coming in, hanging them from the tree by their you know the wedging them in their underpants. No, I think I think. You've just got to respect that there is this spectrum between from casual and competitive and having a division that makes it clear what side of the fence you should be on. It's not going to be effective in 100% of the time, but, you know, if someone... I mean, coming back to what Kimmy asked, if someone doesn't want to agree to the power level of the group, if this is a close, if this is like a, a behind closed doors casual kitchen, like, kitchen if, table, yeah. If you're playing it, you know, in a speakeasy. A speak- if this is a, <laughs> yeah. if this is a bootleggers uh, thing, then you can just say to them, you-, you should be in a position to say to them, hey, look, you know, you need to- you need to chill out a bit. You need to tone down the the the. And if they don't want to do that, stop playing with them. It's as simple as that. Like just stop playing with them.
1: That's true. If he- and th- this goes for people who like who-, who commit any sort of like faux pas, be it like being on their phone too much playing command or you yep. know trying to do trades. It's like. The only way you can stamp out bad behavior is by not tolerating it.
0: Yep. So you talk to them. You. Don't, I'm not saying just, you know, immediately, you know, chuck them out chuck them out the window off the to, to that baked hell of, of muggledom below. But I'm saying <laughs> at least speak to them and say, listen, you know, it'd be great if you could X, Y, Z, cut the soul ring, you know, stop cynicking us out on turn four.
1: I run into this in life a lot where I talk to people who are upset about something or upset about someone they know who has done something and Mm. almost invariably when I ask them, have you talked to this person about it? They'll say, oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer of you can't expect things to change if you haven't made any effort towards changing. No, people aren't mind readers. And that's the thing. Like Like some people who are playing these competitive decks and steamrolling players think that's what the game is and everybody's having fun and they just happen to win that time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's defensible. And look, I think I think more people than you would expect, if you just have an earnest conversation with them, will go home and will bust out their I don't know their Azuri precon, slam slam an opposition into it, and some couple a couple cool blue green cards, and call it a day, and be fine with it.
0: And and then and then kind of everyone wins. Well, not everyone. Someone else, you know, someone will win. Hopefully, it's not the person who is just, you know, well maybe it will be. Maybe maybe they're they're just that good at the game. Maybe that's the reason you're salty is because you're losing to someone who's just a lot better than you.
1: Yeah, look, if if you're playing if you're playing, you know, Commander with Luis Scott Vargas all the time, it doesn't really matter what the deck is at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that's because he's gonna lose all the time. Sorry, Luis dunks on me literally constantly in both private and public settings, and this is now the only time I get to do it without him being able to retaliate, so I'm gonna take every opportunity I get.
0: I mean there'd be um, a retaliation. What oh yeah, but you, it's, what do you it's think delayed. you saying? You think you're under parliamentary privilege or something here? No, he'll come for you. You know he's going to come. Never, for Never, he's never going to listen to this. Come on, that is actually true. That's true. Yeah, we can say whatever we want about him. Yeah, it's true. I've got nothing. I've got nothing but good things to say about him, Dennis.
1: Wow. Okay. Oh, I Jeez. know which side
0: of the bread. I know which side of the bread the butter's on, mate.
1: Oh man. Okay. Okay. So I think in summation, you have to try. If it's someone you know, you have to try and talk to them about this. And if it's mm-hmm. someone you don't know, and they're doing this repeatedly, then you as a group. Have to try and like if this is at your game store and you're getting paired up with them often or whatever. You as a group have to talk to this person. And if it's at a if it's at a command fest or a magic fest or some whatever large scale thing, and there is casual and competitive sections, you have to be you have to think about which section you think your deck fits in. And that goes for both people because at the end of the day, I don't believe people who steamroll three casual players and are having fun. I don't believe that that's actually as fun as they think it is. Honestly.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. There are some. There are some people out there who they they just want to, you know, they just want to cast their. Uh, I'm like, actually drawing. Like, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What do really competitive players shaft other people with?
1: I don't know. What's a, like? Like they, they they want armageddon everybody or whatever.
0: Oh well, that I mean that's that's a whole other. That's a but compl- no, I,
1: I, it like at some point, playing on a vastly different like com- competition level just can't be fun. Like it is not fun for me to play Super Smash Brothers against you anymore.
0: All right, mate. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> No, no. We're, now we're just telling funny jokes. Now we're just telling- Wow. Okay. Actually, no, Dennis- So Dennis recently- So Dennis is a real tryhard, and he won't admit to this, but like Dennis can't- Dennis is so precious. He's such a diva uh-huh, uh-huh. that he can't stand to not be the best at anything. So he and I used to play casual- Well, it comes naturally like, to me. It's hard, you know? Well, yeah, it comes naturally after, you know, hours and hours of practice. The Gladwell. Um, Dennis and I, we- um, we used to play Smash against each other, you know, just casually. Like, we'd just get online, play with our switches, and, and, you know, have a chat on Discord while we were playing. And we were pretty evenly matched, and it would generally go one way or the other. But then Dennis, of course, like, he just got, he'd get, oh, when I beat him, he'd get so salty and he'd start <laughs> yelling and screaming, and like he was breaking things and putting his fist through doors and stuff. Uh huh. And so, one time, the last time we went over to Dublin to visit him, he'd, he'd put in a bunch of hours on Smash to, like, start playing very seriously. And he just absolutely ran rings around me. He absolutely steamrolled me. And there he's going, oh, you like that, you stupid idiot. Now, now who's the king of Smash, he says. I'm like, mate, that's not a real thing. He's like, now who's the king of Smash? And I was like, all right, you are, yep, you're the king of Smash. But now, Dennis is now enjoying the fruits of his labor because he's in actually the worst position skill-wise it's, it's for awful. Super Smash Brothers. It's the, he's actually in the worst possible position. Skill level of success. So I'm better right than
1: basically, like, Riley was the best. I mean, uh, uh, some brief shout out I played against um, Vince Pleasant Kenobi when we played in, um, in America, who was very good. And I haven't He's played Vince good. since, so Vince might be, you know, and Vince steamrolled being at the time. But now I'm better, like, besides Vince, as far as I remember, Riley was the best person on US Smash, and he was a very evenly Mashed, like he says. And then I sort of had stripped him and now I'm better than Smash at basic, at most of my than most of my friends are, but I'm nowhere near good enough to play Smash competitively. So I've just I've hamstrung myself.
0: Yep, yeah, he's in this he's in this like sort of this this purgatory almost, right? And you know, and as I said to you, Dennis, it wasn't going to last. Like you, you know, you jumping up and down like Tom Cruise on your couch, yelling, "I'm the king of Smash," taking your shirt off, and 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 like you know, whipping me with it, that sort of stuff. Oh, totally factual. Yeah. It might have been fun for a couple of minutes, but you know, now you now you got no. You're just a lonely boy. You got no one to play with. You know what, though, I can take that memory to the grave, and I fully intend to. Our next question comes from Harrison Jr., who asks. I work in education, and I have a lot of students who struggle with maths. I would love the idea of getting them involved in MTG as a fun way to practice maths, but I'm stuck on how to actually pitch it to the families involved. How would you do it, and keep the cost down? Now, this is a question I picked, Dennis, because I can give not only a theoretical answer, yeah, you're, uni-
1: you're uniquely qualified here.
0: I've actually, I've actually done exactly and literally this right. So I had a bunch of... I used to be a primary school teacher, for those who didn't know, and I had a bunch of kids who were into games and and all, all you know, playing stuff and all, all that sort of stuff, but hated maths. And, and, you know, these kids are like seven, eight years old, so it's at the point where basic addition, basic subtraction, if they don't get on top of that pretty quickly, then they're going to fall behind as they get into more complicated stuff, fractions and decimals, that sort of stuff in the coming years, right? So... What I did, I was lucky enough that I, you know, have a bunch of magic cards myself. You have enough boosters. You've got big piles of draft chaff. I just took that in and I was just like, pick out cards you want, right? And then I would set up little combats for them. So, it's like, all right, you both get to pick three cards and and you put them out and they can fight each other and we'll figure out who lives and who dies, right? So, they very quickly figured out that they wanted high toughness creatures, high power creatures, whatever. Obviously, the bigger numbers, the better. But it was interesting when you were having like two fives fight four twos because they would have to figure out, oh, which one lives, which one dies, whatever else. They're like that. So there are lots of really excellent maths games you can play with just vanilla creatures. You know, you, you forget all the hexproof flying, first strike, whatever else, and just do basic stuff like that. Um, When it comes to getting the cards, very, very, very easy solution to this. Go to a game shop and ask for a pile of of draft of chaff, like just literally just bad commons that they don't want. And chances are, if the game shop is one well, if they've got a, a beating heart in their chest and two, have a, a working brain in their head, they will immediately hand over hundreds of cards to you. Why? Because you're getting kids hooked on MTG and they are going to make a lot of money off those kids. One <laughs> Like this is this is a very low investment, right? To get kids to, to play a game that is, ultimately they're going to come to that LGS, they're going to draft, they're going to play uh, Construct, they're, they're building themselves future customers. So any LGS that turns you away empty-handed is being extremely, extremely foolish. As to pitching it to the families, I'm not sure why that would be an issue to be honest. Like Dennis, what what, well, do you, what do you think Harrison's asking here?
1: What I think he's asking is how do you explain like, "Hey, I would like to teach your child to play this card game that they're going to then ask for for, you know, every Christmas and birthday going forward?"
0: Right. And it's not and it's not cheap. That is true. Okay, all right. I, I was more thinking like oh you know what, what is your cuz you remember there was like the the demonic the satanic scare of the 90s?
1: Oh I don't think it's that. I, I wonder if it's, if it's
0: it's parents go you know pearl clutching parents being like oh it's witchcraft. Well there might look there might be some people who are like that. Like that's not that's
1: not unheard of.
0: I guess not. For, like, I don't know really have any it for Dungeons and dragons. I don't really have any good advice as to how to deal with parents like that, but I can tell you parents always want one thing and that is what is best for their child, right? Mm-hmm. Always. The uh, 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 any child is a parent. The parent's most important thing in the world, and so when you when you go to a parent and you say to them, "Yes, this is an expensive hobby. Yes, it's going to be the sort of thing they're clamoring for gifts, for birthdays, and Christmas for years and years afterwards." But it will improve their critical thinking, their social skills, their problem solving, their ability to analyze problems, uh, uh, resource management, task prioritization. It magic teaches you optimization. Uh, in, in in addition to mathematics, probability, and and, and if you do this from the tr- the
1: trusted position of a teacher, you know who is who's who's you know remit in life is to try and set these kids up for the best with the best tools they have to tackle the world after they graduate or whatever. Yeah, that's I think that's
0: pretty compelling, and it's not dishonest either. No, I mean there's a great there's an article that Matt Sperling wrote. It's on CFB about the employable skills that you gain from being exactly. a magic player, and you know that's another thing that you could show parents. And Not only that, how about just the millions of dollars that is given away to professional magic magic players? Uh, my parents forced me to take tennis lessons for years because they wanted me to be the next Rafael Nadal, so they could live on. You know, live on on the fruits of my labor. And I was very bad, but that wasn't the point. Like, and I look at parents, you now. Uh, look, look at me now. Look at me on the on the CFP dollars. The the money just don't stop. Um, I don't think it's a hard task to persuade parents that. Uh, something like this is beneficial to their their children. I think you may have to overcome a little bit of stigma, but then again, this stigma is 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 burning away by by the year. You know, when I was a kid, right, playing D&D, like that, yeah, it was well, no, not even that. Just being huge nerds, like being D oh, sure. meant you're a oh, social that, outcast. That, it wasn't see, cool that. Did, and, that didn't
1: even occur to me when you said it. That's how that's how eroded. Yeah. I think this is.
0: But I think if you go to parents these days, parents are in their late twenties, early thirties. You know, maybe maybe pushing middle age. They're going to be like, oh, magic, D&D, ugh, that's, that's for bloody nerds, isn't it? It's like, no, mate, no. Being a nerd is 100%, like, being a nerd is very cool now.
1: Yeah, we've all seen stranger things.
0: Exactly. So I think it's not a hard sell, and th- there's the practical problem of getting cards. Again, an LGS will solve that for you. As to selling it to the parents, I think there's, there's plenty of ammunition you can use to win them over. And after that, they're just going to see their kids improve in a bunch of ways, especially as magic has a a resonance with the outcast with the child who Mm. maybe doesn't have the easiest time making friends
1: who might need it yeah
0: who might need a bit of a social crutch in order to relate to people and magic i mean we've all been there we were all picked on in high school and magic is going to be a way for for a kid like that to to express themselves to find a level of happiness to find other people kindred spirits who are also into all this nerdy stuff you know there's another
1: sort of notch in this bow and what you're talking about where have have you heard of magic kids and weird cards and stuff riley no, go on. Weird, weird, weird cards. You can go to weirds cards, weirdcards.org to, f- to find out about them. They are a uh, a charitable, like social club out of uh, yep. Rochester, Minnesota, and specifically they're smaller a subsection of that is called Magic Kids, and they're like a registered charity and everything. Um, that takes cards, and they they go to a lot of you know magic fests around the world, and they will take your chaff. Yeah, if you've done if you if you've done much of sealed dance, they will take your chat for precisely this purpose. They have little social clubs with kids, often like disadvantaged kids or kids who like don't who necessarily afford to buy cards, and they will teach them to like count and sort cards and build decks and like and all this stuff. And it does teach them these these all these critical thinking and all these tools you were, you were talking about. And if this is if this is beneficial enough to be registered as a you know as a charity, they're very particular about it. it's a five hundred one c three charity or whatever. It's I think it's definitely like an altruistic thing. And I think any, like you said, any game store worth its salt, not even just from like a helping the community, at sense, but from a, like, and look, they want to get rid of all those. Uh, do you have any idea how yeah, many they're, comments they're on never, comments? They're never selling their copy of
0: Claustrophobia out? Like, for, Min- for Ministrad. No. no,
1: exactly. And like you said, it's an investment because when, the, when that kid eventually turns 12 or 13 and wants to start going M, that's where they're going
0: to go. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think any parent who doesn't listen to the arguments that you make, the arguments we've presented here in this little segment, you, you're never winning them over anyway. They they're, they are probably that parent, and you're just going to have to deal with them till the end of the year. And then freedom, you don't have to worry about them anymore, and they get replaced by a different parent, and then the nightmares begin anew. But the point is, this Harrison, it's a great question. But this problem is effortlessly solvable. It's, it's going to be a very easy thing for you to, to put in place. And uh, I, look, I, I tell you what, as someone who has done it before, I wish you the very best of success doing this sort of stuff because it's an extremely rewarding thing to do.
1: And look, I don't know if I want to speak necessarily, but Harrison, if you DM Riley, I'm sure he's happy to talk to you about it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, no, and my, and my DM This is why my DMs are open. This is why I have an email address, Tower at gmail, so you can get in touch with me with stuff like this. And uh, again, if I don't reply, just message me again, just nag me, and I'll get back to you, and, and we can have a chat about it. But uh, always, always, have to have a chat about this. Stuff. Yeah. That's it for this week of a River, uh, Dennis. We've solved problems, we've helped people, and uh, the world good is now us. a better place. Yeah, good on us. Big yeah. pal- My oh, my arm is just getting getting. Yeah, so it's getting sort so, from... re- reaching around back there to hit yourself in the back. It's tough. It's very difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, if you want to contribute to the show in any way, if you want to get in touch, maybe send in your query, or question, your quandary, please do. Uh, you can do that. Uh, either email me directly, rightacreattower at gmail.com, or you can send me a DM on Twitter. And make sure you go and follow both of us at Tower and at Australia. If you had to pick just one, like if you've got a budget of how many people to follow, <laughs> definitely just follow me. Channel Fireball, um, definitely follow at Channel no, Fireball. That is the because I, <laughs> I retweet all the important Channel Fireball tweets, so you're going to get the best of their stuff, you know, from me. So I would wow, definitely say smart. that you know, if you if you if you've got a, a limited like budget, you know, if you haven't got Twitter tw- uh, Twitter Gold, uh, then you should uh, you should just uh, follow me. But otherwise, I guess Dennis is you know the the pity is also acceptable for him. I would say
1: I'll take it. Hey, look, man, I'll take it. You know you know how those pity followers show up in the follower account?
0: No, it's they, the same. Yeah, they 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 all spend the same, huh? They all spend the same. That's it. But listen, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the to the to this to our website, internet podcast, radio show, and uh, we hope to have you back next week for more Sky River. Dennis, it's been a lot of fun.
1: It has been a lot of fun, and yeah, like like Riley said, if you do have any questions, queries, or quandaries, please do send them in, and we'll see you next week.
0: Final thing before we go, uh, if you've enjoyed listening to me talk on a podcast, good news. You can also listen to me on a different podcast about a completely different thing, history.net. It's a history podcast, got nothing to do with magic, but still, again, if you like listening to me talk, you're in luck. And final thing, I uh, want to say thank you to Joachim Karud for the track Shine that you've heard on this podcast. Uh, he's got a bunch of free music. You should go and listen to it. It's absolutely banging. Anyway, that's it. We're done. We'll see you next week.